So we're joined by French member of the European Parliament, Yannick Jadot, who will be the official representative of the Greens IFA group at COP23, the UN climate negotiations, which will take place from the 6th to the 17th of November. Uh, this year, the German city of Bonn will play host under the leadership of Fiji. Uh, Yannick, could you tell us a bit about what this meeting is all about and what is at stake? This is a very important meeting because uh, you may remember uh, two years ago, there was a strong and big uh, agreement in Paris during the COP21 with a very ambitious uh, objective to uh, try to stop uh, climate warming to a maximum of 1.5 degree to 2 degree. So it's a strong objective. But uh, during that agreement, uh, we uh, clearly saw that there is no methodology, common methodologies, to work together to make sure that we achieve uh, this objective and we deliver every year with our climate policies. So this COP23 is a lot about methodologies having common tools, common capacity of assessments of any national uh, policies regarding climate or energy transition. And there is also another important aspect is that in Paris, as I said, we agreed on uh, a long-term objective not to go beyond 1.5 to 2 degree, but the national commitments in Paris were far from sufficient. The national commitments taken by countries in Paris were about 3 to 4 degrees of global warming. And next year, in 2018, there will be a new COP, COP24, in which we will put all these commitments together and there is a huge issue to make sure that any country, any state which is willing to contribute seriously to combat climate change will have stronger objective in uh, Poland next year. So it's, you see, it's, uh, it's a cop between Paris two years ago and next year. Okay. And so what are your expectations? I mean, would you say you're optimistic going into this? What would, you, what would look like a good COP? A good COP in, um, in Bonn would be a COP where are decided uh, common methodologies, common tools, so that we have what we call a rule book in which every uh, parties to the convention will have the same capacity will implement the same methodology to assess what everybody is doing. Second uh, objective is to make sure that what we call the uh, facilitating dialogue will make sure that next year, at the next COP, we will have an international community and each party coming and upgrading their commitment for fighting climate change. But there are other political objectives. 
We know that Trump has decided that the U.S. will move back from the Paris Agreement. We know that there is a strong gap, as I said, between climate diplomacy with strong and ambitious speeches and the reality of climate action. And one issue, of course, of any COP is to make sure that we fill the gap between climate diplomacy and climate action, which is, at the end, what is very important. Okay. Now, there are two countries, your own France and Germany, that are, seem to be being built up in the media as being the potential leaders when it comes to Europe in these negotiations. Do you have any specific expectations of what those two countries are going to bring to this COP? We know that uh, uh, now Europe is the only political entity able to take some leadership in the climate negotiations. Last year's clearly uh, China and the U.S. were the two countries which were taking initiatives to build a global agreement. Now that uh, the U.S. are falling, at least at the uh, federal level with Trump, in the uh, climate skepticals uh, uh, and that Russia is also a little bit on the same way, we need EU to be to take the leadership of climate negotiation. Paris, because of the Paris Agreement, France has a role to make sure that the Paris Agreement will be fully implemented with ambition. And Germany, because the COP takes place in Germany. Of, co of course, Fiji is uh, chairing the, the COP, but it's taking place in Germany. So both countries have a re the responsibility to make sure that EU is back as an ambitious player in climate negotiation. But for that, if you want, if you want to be uh, credible as a leader, you need to lead by example. And for that, we need to make sure that EU climate policy is much more ambitious, especially in terms of energy transition, efficiency, renewables, and mobility. Okay, well, speaking of leading by example, um, in October, the European Parliament voted on its position for the COP23, and the amendment from the Greens on the importance of protecting the negotiations from the dirty lobbyists and vested interests was approved. Could you tell us a little bit about this and what the next steps will be? Our example is uh, the international negotiation we had about health and especially about tobacco. And in those negotiations, the uh, civil society organizations manage to get rid of all the tobacco lobbyists. Because, of course, you know, uh, uh, fighting climate change means today that we will keep in the soil 80% of the coal, the oil, or the gas. That means that it's a huge potential loss for oil companies. And that's why Trump is so against uh, acting against climate change, because his campaign was funded by uh, coal and oil industries. So we need to make sure, because they are so powerful, that they do not always 
undermine state capacities to defend general interests, to defend climate, to save the climate, rather than uh, protecting those vested interests. And you know that it's very difficult, it's very important to start fighting those bad lobbyists and vested interests because, of course, this year the COP takes place in Germany, but next year the COP, the so important COP, will take place in, in Poland. And we know that Poland is sometimes, you know, uh, very, uh, very, uh, uh, is really willing to stop any action about climate change to protect its coal industry. So we need to make sure that in Poland, we will not have all the coal vested interest undermining any action on climate. Now, you've mentioned uh, Donald Trump a couple of times. Obviously, he comes up frequently when people talk about the Paris Agreement now. Um, with, with Trump's administration pulling out of the Paris Agreement, there seem to be new actors emerging at national level, a local level, through civil society. I mean, what's your take on this and how do you think the Greens and the European Parliament can support them and work with them? We have invited, um, or we have contributed to invite uh, the uh, governor of California to the European Parliament okay. uh, to uh, demonstrate that uh, uh, Trump is not... Uh, the only guy uh, deciding in, in the U.S. Uh, we have hundreds of cities, uh, companies, uh, cooperatives, uh, uh, and citizens involved in fighting climate change, especially because uh, the U.S., the, the country, is uh, uh, an important victim of climate change already. We see the uh, hurricanes, we see the, the fires or the drought in uh, California, we see the floods everywhere. So I'm, there is a part of the American society and probably the most dynamic part of Amer uh, the American society which does not want to uh, be a part of uh, the world commitment to fight climate change. And this is uh, very good news. Already in the US, you have more jobs in the solar industry than in coal. So uh, we need to make sure as green, we, make, we need to make sure as European that this very dynamic uh, stakeholders in the US uh, uh, find the, the, the right space to uh, fight climate change and to be present in international negotiation. Okay, and one final question. I mean, how confident are you of our capacity to, to protect the climate in line with the Paris Agreement? Um, I mean, there's obviously still a, a thought out there sometimes that green ideas are utopian. And um, what would your message be to those people? We are clearly uh, in a paradigm shift. The old world with oil, coal, coal nuclear, gas, uh, it's a world of opacity. It's a world which is linked to uh, sometimes dictatorship, uh, to corruption, to uh, pollution and a strong impact on um, uh, climate change. It's big business. Uh, 